So while all of us have these Red Seas, how can we know what God is saying through the biblical account of what, he, what Israel did? And also, interesting enough, is that the same way the devil wanted Israel back in Egypt, after he finally let them go, the devil wants you back where you used to be. The devil wants you right back where you are worried, where you're fearful, where you're anxious all of the time. Whatever things that you may have been delivered from, uh, whatever, whatever physical things, whatever physical sins, whatever spiritual sins that you were in in your past life, the devil would love to see you back there again. He doesn't want you to remain free. But rest assured that during this time that you're in this Red Sea or in this waiting period where you're trying to make up your mind to go left or go right or whatever it is that you're praying about doing, that time, just rest assured that God hears your prayers. And as usual, let's go to the biblical account. Let's go to Exodus. Go to the book of Exodus. And we're going to draw some parallels between what happened with Israel and what is happening in your life. You see, because many times, many uh, chapter three, okay, Exodus chapter three, many times in our lives when we're going through these things, we stop and forget. We, we forget about what what stages we are in spiritually and how God is indeed working in our lives. Nine out of ten times when you've got a particular issue going on in your life, you don't relate it to a scripture in Bible. You don't relate it to what God has done in the past. Looking at Israel and Egypt, you know, seems like such a long time ago. And you're saying, well, what parallels could that possibly have in my life? Well, we're going to see that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And the same techniques that he used back then, he used in your life today. He used in your life today. Oh, well, I'm not Israel. Well, guess what? The issues that you have in life are just as critical to you as they were to Israel at the time they were in bondage. Amen. So chapter three and starting with verse number seven. Exodus chapter three, verse number seven. And the Lord said, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land. And a large, uh, and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come up unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send, the, I will send unto Pharaoh. I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold! When I come unto the children of Israel, and I shall say unto them, The God of your fathers have sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am have sent me unto you. Well, a couple of things that's unpacked. The same way he started out, God started out by saying, Surely I have seen the affliction of my people and I have heard their prayers. Do not think for a moment that God has not heard your prayers. Do not think for a moment that God does not know your affliction. Now, you think of the word affliction and you think about, about ancient Israel where they were being beaten upon their backs in the forced labor and so forth. And maybe you're not going through that. But the things that are going through your life, the things that are afflicting you, the things that you're praying for, the things that you're hoping for, you too are, in a sense, in bondage, especially if you're worried about it. What God is saying to you through this scripture is that God hears your prayers. Know that. Here in the 21st century today, God hears your prayers and he knows your prayers. He knows what you're praying to him. He said there, Moses said, well, who shall I say sent me? And God simply said, I am that I am. God that is working for you is I am that I am. Simple as that. And what does that mean when you unpack that more greatly? It says that that means that God is self-existence. He has his being of himself. 
God does not require anyone or anything. He simply is. He is what he is. He is who he is. So when you stop and you ponder that for a moment, when you're, you're going through the issues of life and you're thinking about, well, who am I praying to? Remember that the God that you're praying for, praying to is self-sufficient. He's self-sustaining. He, he is, if you will, a man unto himself, to use the term loosely. All right. He is the eternal and unchangeable and always the same yesterday, today and forever. The same things that he did in Israel back here some 4000 years ago. The same thing is what he will do for you. He can do the same thing. All right. Do make no mistake about it. He is faithful and true to all his promises. He's unchangeable in his word and as well as in his nature. There is none beside him. All that is going on today and the things that's happening around us where we see, we see the lawlessness of what's happening in society when we see things that's going on. And sometimes you have a fleeting thought the devil will plant in your mind. You see things are just totally out of control. Not at all. God is in control. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. So he is in control. He is in control of your life. He knows what's going on. The question is, how much do we remember that and how much do we remember that we've been set free? How much do we, we recall that God is indeed there? But we got to kind of smack yourself sometimes out of the fantasy that you're living in. OK, because what is that fantasy? The fantasy that you're living in many times is the fact that I'm going to succeed. I'm, I'm going to fail. Rather, I'm not going to succeed. That they're slapping you out of that fantasy is that I'm going to have a hard time realizing what it is that I'm praying for. It just seems to be impossible. It's not going to happen. That's the fantasy that you're living in. Because the reality is that God is the same as he was back then. He's the same today and will always be the same. God is unchangeable. And what he said about your life, he means and it will come to pass. So in those moments of weakness where you're feeling like you're not going to, to succeed, you're going to fail. Remember that he that is working with you, he that is in you is, is I am. It's the great I am that is in your life. Okay. And you start thinking to yourself, well, gee, was in a quiet night hours. Well, gee, was, you know, you know, puny me. Who is it? Who am I that God would, 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 would want to set aside time to, to get involved into my life? How can he do that? Remember that he is the great I am. And because of the fact that he is I am, he is interested in you because he loves you. So God sent Moses to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh didn't want to set Israel free. And the devil doesn't want to set you free either, as I said before, but you are. Pharaoh finally decided to let Israel go after God inflicted Egypt with, with uh, several plagues. You may remember that. So then we go forward in time to Exodus chapter 13. To Exodus chapter 13. Exodus 13. I'm kind of skipping through this story and kind of moving fastly through this because you know the basic outcome of it. But I want to show you some interesting parallels so that you can realize that you are free. You're free. And you have to remember that you need to remain free. And you have to you, you got to keep that in mind. You're free. So that means that if you're free, that means then that you don't have to be struggling with whatever is going on in your life. You don't have to be struggling with the, the unknowns that's going on in your life. Well, what about this? What about that? I may not be able to do this. I may not be able to accomplish this. I may not have enough money for that. You're free. You're free. Okay? I am is with you. So we see here now I'm moving forward. Uh, chapter 13, verse number 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, though although that was near, underline that, although that was near, came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, unless peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. So God had an easier way to go for them to go that was shorter. But he said, no, I'm not going to send them that way. Because the minute Israel sees conflict, the minute Israel starts experiencing some difficulty, if I take them through the land of the Philistines, right away Israel is going to become afraid and start saying, oh no, I want to go back. I want to go back to where I was. Let me go back to Egypt. There are times in your life, the things that you're praying for and that you're hoping for, there may be a shortcut. There may be another way for God to get you there, you see. But God knows you. God knows you. And God knows that many of us, at the times that God may take us the way that may be the quickest way there, the slightest bit of opposition that we may get in our lives, that right away we throw up our hands and we surrender. 
they see I knew God wasn't here. Forget about it. I'm just going to go back to my old ways of living life. I'm going to give up hope because God is not there. So many times God by design will not let you go by what you may perceive to be the shortest route because God knows you. God knows you. Okay. And, and many times, like I said, we as human beings, the least bit of, the, of resistance to what we think is our plan for our lives. The minute that starts, you're seeing some challenge there, then you wind up folding. You forget praying. You stop praying. Okay. So God said, I'm not going to take Israel through the easiest way, way where the Philistines are because they may wind up repenting and want to go back to Egypt. Verse number 18 continues and says, but God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the, took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away, away hence with you. Away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud and led them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night. From before the people. So what does that have to do with me facing Monday morning? While God may not have you go through what you might think is the shortest way to solve your problem, God is going to take you another way through a wilderness period of time, perhaps. But during that time, what is he going to do? He's going to put a pillar before you, put a fire before you and put a pillar uh, behind you. What is he doing? He's protecting you. God will protect you and he will guide you during this time that you're going through this wilderness. So whatever it is that you may be experiencing right now, whatever it is you may be praying for God to do right now, wherever, whatever it is where you can't quite see the solution, looking two years, five years, three years into the future, you really don't see the way God is going to take you. He's going to guide you. But you just have to remember that I am. I am that I am is the one that is with you and he is guiding you and he will indeed set you free because God has already provided everything that you need in this life to be free. He's already provided that, you see. But we as Christians, we forget that so many times that what God has laid out before us is done, is done. All we have to do is to remember that it's done and to appropriate or to, to, to access what God has said is already done. You see, but in the meantime that you're going through this so-called wilderness, though, God will protect you. He will provide a way. Then we see and moving forward here, you go to chapter 14. Just continue right down. 14, verse number one. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, speaking to the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Paharoth between Migdal and the sea over against Baal-Zephon before it shall uh, before it. You shall encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh shall say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. In other words, they're trapped. Okay. Satan will say that also of you. Okay. God sees, Satan sees that God is working something in your life. And all of a sudden, what does he start doing whispering in your ear? You see, you're going along this path. But guess what? You're, you're trapped. You're not, you're not going to succeed. You're not going to succeed. Not at all. So why don't you just give up? Okay. Because the devil does not want you to remain free. He doesn't want you to know who you are. He doesn't want you to remember what God is doing in your life. So he tries to, yes, to snatch you back. So here Pharaoh said, he's thinking of the people in Israel. They went by the land, so therefore they're in the, in the, in the wilderness, and they're, they're shut in or they're trapped. Verse number four. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all the hosts, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we drove, uh, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took the people with him. And it goes on to talk about how many chariots he took and so on. So again, now this is showing Pharaoh all of a sudden said, why did I let Israel go? The devil is saying, why did I let her go? Why did I let him go? Why did I not keep up the pressure? Why did I, not, did I not keep up the pressure for making him have a pity party for not having success? Why, why did I not keep up the pressure for, 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 for making her believe that she's a total failure? That a life before her, looking ahead with her husband, with her children, with her family, is a total disaster. You know, why, why did I give up on that? Okay? All right? All right? You see? Because once you as a child of God start realizing that you're free, the devil wants you, doesn't want you to maintain that freedom. So the people complained, as the rest of the scriptures there say, people complained, saying that they wished they were back in Egypt. God told Moses to go forward. Then we see in, in uh, Exodus 14, 15, and 16, 
14, 15, and 16, and God says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Because the people have been complaining. Why, wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. That they go forward. That they go forward. Don't give up. You see? So sometimes when you feel like complaining because you don't see that things are happening quickly enough, when sometimes you, you see that things aren't going the way you planned or the way you wished or dreamed or thought, and you feel like just giving up and whatnot, God is saying to you today, don't give up to keep pushing forward. God is saying to you today that whatever it is that you're thinking has fallen through, has dropped into the, into the abyss, God is saying to you today, don't give up, keep pushing forward. He goes on to say in verse 16, but lift thou, lift up thou, uh, lift up thy, oh, sorry, lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground toward the midst of the sea. Now, if somebody was to say to you, you got this big problem going on in your life. And someone was to say to you, okay, well, then the God says to you, I want you to lift up your hands. Lift up your hands before that vast ocean. What is that going to do, Lord? What is lifting my arms up going to do with that vast ocean that is before me? God may give you something to do to help with your problem, to solve your problem that seems totally unassociated or disassociated, I should say, from the issue at hand. It may seem silly. okay? but don't challenge God. God may give you something, may tell you to, to, I don't know, take a handkerchief out of the drawer and wave it in the air three times and then put it back in the drawer. But if you know that's what God is telling you to do, don't go poo-pooing it, you see? see? But many times, deep in our spirits, though, we get, these, we get these unctions where maybe I should do so-and-so, and right away you just kind of dismiss it because it seems silly. It doesn't seem like that maybe this is what God would want me to do to get me out of the situation. Don't be so quick to do that. Don't be so because you don't know what Holy Spirit may be telling you to do. Sometimes it's simply asking your obedience, testing your obedience. Do you think physically from a, from a point of physics, do you think Moses raising his hands in front of that sea did anything to part that ocean? Do you think from a point of physics, I mean, and, you know, what not, I mean, you know, come on, okay? But this is the power of God and testing Moses' obedience. So as you're going through whatever you're going through in life, Whatever it may be pertaining to the, to the things that you're praying and hoping for, you think and pray along those lines. You listen to Holy Spirit. You listen to Holy Spirit. Okay? I was, um, we had a nice time eating a lot of good food yesterday. And we had been to, where did my wife and I, I forgot where we bought them from. We saw these delicious caramel popcorn things. Absolutely delicious. Okay? So I've been eating them off and on for a couple of days. All right? Eating on and on into yesterday, after we had some crab and some other stuff. But anyway, eating that stuff. And then late last night, all of a sudden, my stomach started feeling a little, you know, iffy. Got up this morning, and I got on the treadmill, and I'm out there walking and stuff. And that's where I walk and usually pray and stuff like that. And I'm feeling kind of, oh, my gosh, I'm going to church today. I'm going to church today. And I distinctly heard, throw those popcorn things out. Throw them out, simple as that. I said, didn't think too much about it because I love them. I said, all right, I'll, I'll throw them out. Got off the treadmill, went back into the house, started going to the house and started putting some water into the tea kettle. And I heard again, throw those things away. Okay. Now I'm in the kitchen. Those popcorn things were right there in the pantry behind me. So I put on the water and I started to go upstairs to start getting dressed and shower. And I heard again, throw those things away. And I knew right then and there I needed to do it then. Not wait until I came home from church, not wait until later on, but to do it then. May seem silly, but I went back and I took those things out of the pantry and I threw them away. Okay? So I said to myself, maybe this is God trying to tell me something. Because when I get back, I will have forgotten, because I'll be hungry after church. I will have forgotten about the discomfort that I was in, and what will I do? I'll go right into that bag of popcorn again. Amen? Amen? So what I'm saying to you is that while it seemed like something I could have put off, I, I know Holy Spirit well enough in my life how He operates, that when He says to do something, to do it then. Okay, because knowing me, and he knows me, no, if I put it off, I will forget about it, you see? So what I'm saying to you is that whatever it is that you're struggling with, if God tells you to do something that really seems totally unrelated, it seems silly to you, to do it. To do it. Because a lot of times God wants to see your obedience to what he's telling you to do. All right? And so it goes on to say there that, all right, verse 17, And behold, I will harden the hearts of Pharaoh. Um, Go down to 18. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And the angel said, da, 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 da. okay, and it came, it came between, 
I'm sorry, 19. And the angel of the Lord, which went before the camp of Israel, showed and moved, went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud uh, went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. It was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to those uh, so that the one could not come near the other. And then it goes on to say, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. So I kind of really jumped ahead here because you know the story here. Uh, Moses raised his hands, and the, water, and the waters were, were divided. Okay, and then you see in verses 30 and 31, I'm kind of rushing because I want to really bring this home to the point for today. Okay, 29, but the children of Israel, verse 29, the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which uh, the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So saying all that to say, you know the end of the story there, they were indeed saved. God delivered Israel. The same way that God set Israel free, God can also set you free. But the problem today, this is what is at the heart of this sermon. The problem today is that we can end up forgetting that we are free, as I said a moment ago. Forgetting that we are free, forgetting that we are free can become a habit. Now, this is is at the heart of this sermon today. I laid the groundwork for showing you how Israel was delivered by a God, an all-powerful God, against all odds. And how the devil wanted them, Pharaoh, wanted them brought back the same way the devil would like to bring you back to where you were before. By you um, being discouraged at things that are not happening in your life, the same way you can just give up and go back to, to disbelieving or halfway believing the way you used to be, the same way that that happened with Israel, forgetting that you are free can become a habit. You can get into the habit of forgetting it. We have already allowed, if you have already allowed a habit, so to speak, as worry, anxiety, doubt, or any other bad habits to form in your thought life, then it becomes more difficult to change the path of that thought, okay? If you're getting in the habit of letting doubt, letting anxiety, letting worry, or anything else, you know, that, you, that, you, that you're into that's having a hard time, if you let that just stick with you, it becomes more and more difficult to change the path of that thought. It's similar to when, if you're ever out there and you're, you're stuck in deep mud in your car or in snow, and you're backing up and you're revving your wheels and you're shifting from, uh, from forward to uh, reverse, trying to get out of that rut to find a dry, solid place to get your wheels on. The same way and how difficult that is, the same way it is for you to get out of the habit of forgetting that you're set free. Okay? You forget it. All right? The minute that you're worrying about something, you have forgotten that you're free. Okay? You forgot. And see, and this is what this is all about. This is the, the message of for today here. Even bad physical habits such as smoking or drinking have a root in our thoughts until they actually become a physical addiction in our lives. It starts out as, in the, as a thought process. So therefore, you need to activate your spiritual authority. All things have its origin in your thoughts. So if there's something that winds up becoming a problem to you in terms of anxiety, uh, 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 stress, or pressures, or something that you're worried about, it's because of the fact, one, you're forgetting the fact that God has set you free, okay, and that now you're getting into the habit of worrying about something, all right? How many times have you left the house and you just felt like you forgot something? You know, you forgot your keys or something like that, where it becomes a habit, okay? How many times have you gotten into your car, especially... Well, you're not retired yet. But after I retired, you don't know how many times I drove out in the car intending to go downtown, and I went on my old route down 12th Street like I was going to work there. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not going down there. So you get into the habit of doing things. Okay? And it all starts with a thought process. So if you're getting into the habit of forgetting that you're, you're set free, if you're getting into the habit of entertaining worry and anxiety, and a lot of times that's what it is because how many times have you not had anything to worry about and this may sound strange, where there's nothing for you to worry about, and you'll actually sit there for a moment and say, gee whiz, I'm actually feeling happy. I'm actually feeling happy. You mean to say there's nothing? I, I checked this, I did this, I did, all the bills are paid, you know, whatever it is. There must be something that I'm missing, you see? So you wind up, you get into the habit of doing that, okay? 
all, all bad physical habits start out as a, in a thought pattern. Spiritual authority I'm talking about here is activated by the believer's response to faith. You have some spiritual authority. Okay, now this is where, this is where we have to make that mountainous shift in our minds from getting away to getting away from secular thinking in terms of what makes sense, what is logical, to deep spiritual, spiritual thought and behaviors, which is where God wants us to be. If you're going to be a really successful Christian, you can't think, you can't think along the lines of secular everyday thought. You've got at some point to make, to, make it, to, make it, to make a commitment in yourself that I'm going to get deeply involved spiritually with what the Word of God is saying and get away from secular ways of thought because that's the only way that you're going to get out of the, out of the conundrum that you may feel like you're in right now. That's the only way that you can really succeed in this life. You've got to transition from secular, everyday, common sense thought into the deep understanding of the spiritual authority that you have. Okay, and having and taking that spiritual authority is what will prevent you from forgetting that you are free and from taking up the bad habit of worrying and, and anxiety and so on. Is remembering the, the spiritual authority that you have. Spiritual authority is activated by the believers or by your response to faith. Faith now can be defined as not only the content of what we believe, Faith can not only, is not only defined as the content of what you believe, but it is also the action that you take based upon who God reveals himself to be to you. To you. I'm not talking about a theoretical God. I'm not talking about, understand what I'm saying, and God knows what I, what I mean when I say this. I'm not just talking about the God that's mentioned in this Bible. I'm talking about the God that is known to you. To you. Once you really recognize and understand the God as he has revealed himself to you, then you'll have less difficulty in taking the spiritual authority over the things that are going on in your life. Okay? Okay? So once you, once you can do that, spiritual authority is activated by your response to the faith. Again, faith can be defined as not only the content of what we believe, but the action taken based upon the God that has revealed himself to you. As we come to know God more intimately, through prayer and study of Scripture, all right, we can confidently respond to faith to whatever the spiritual struggles are, physical struggles, regardless of what they may be, or whatever mountains that you face. As long as you can get more intimate with God and, and through prayer and Scripture, then you can confidently build and respond to that faith. You see, you need that faith to get through these difficult times that are facing you right now. Faith is the word for the action of exercising spiritual authority. Okay, how can you exercise spiritual authority if you don't have faith? Okay, how can you stand up and say, I am a child of the living God. Jesus Christ is in me. Jesus Christ is my Lord and the Savior. The Lord's going to bring me through this situation. How can you actually stand up and take that spiritual authority if you don't have faith in that it's going to happen? Okay, so while you can, you can intellectually say that you have that faith and you can sit there and give me a whole, a, 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 a whole, a whole, a whole treatise. A treatise on what faith is, you can run it down on, on, on intellectually, but it's based on your actions and what you perceive to be true based on what God has revealed to you. You see, so you've got to get to a point that you understand God a whole lot more than simply what is written in the Bible. And I'm not, if you know what I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm not speaking heretically here. What I'm saying is that you've got to take the words written in that Bible and really, really, really make it personal to you in order for you to take that authority. Okay. If, if, if a cop if a cop is out there in the street and he's trying to direct traffic and he's in his own private vehicle and he sees something going on and he needs to get out and so forth like that and he's not in his uniform but he jumps out of the car and he holds up his badge, okay, he knows that that badge has some authority, okay. If he didn't know what that authority was, he would not get out of that car and hold up that badge. You see. So the same way, you know, you have that spiritual authority, but then, but then, what about the faith that that is attached to it? You can't use that spiritual authority without you having some faith. Okay, it's like the cop easing out there with the badge. Um, stop, please, please, easing out there, and, and he has no authority. He doesn't stand up there and and, and demand that the traffic stop or whatever. And the car is running right over. You see, you see, so so, so 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 you've got to believe who you are and let God reveal Himself to you more and more. As we become more intimately through, involved through prayer and study of Scripture, then you can confidently respond in faith to whatever the struggles are. 
Faith is the word for action, as I said before. If we are to pray with spiritual authority, asking for all things and believing that we have already received them in accordance to Mark 11:24, And that, as you've heard me say many, many times, I mean, it's something that you, you're praying for and you say, uh, um, I, I don't know, you're, you're, you're praying, praying for a car. Okay? The first time, what do you pray? Oh, Lord, I need a new car, et cetera, et cetera. You know, please, Lord God, bless me with a car and so forth. All right? Now, knowing that God has heard you, why do you know that? Well, because the word of God has said to you that if you pray to me, I hear you. Okay? Why do you know that? Because you're activating that faith inside here where God has told you in the prayer that you've been in, because you're building this intimate relationship with him, God has told you when, you're in pr- when you are in prayer to him that I heard your prayers and I'm going to answer your prayers. So with that faith now, you're taking the spiritual authority so that you, your following prayers to God is no longer, oh Lord, I need that car, but you say, Lord, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, because I believe that I have received that car. Has that car manifested itself in the physical realm? No, it has not. But you're acting on the faith because God said he heard your prayers and that God said he's going to bless you for praying something in accordance with his will. So your following prayers then is that, God, I thank you, Lord. I, I believe that I have received. This is what's being talked about in Mark 11:24. You don't have to go there right now. But that's what's being said there, you see. So the subsequent prayers that you pray is, is that, God, thank you, Lord, because I believe that I have received. You see, because we know by faith that God heard our prayers. Okay. And you've heard me talk about it a, a, a dozen times or more uh, 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 about Daniel when he was praying for the answer to the dream. Okay? Days went by, days went by. And then finally the angel showed up and he said, the time that God heard your prayer, God answered it. Right? But it took me 21 days. 21 days it took me to bring the answer to you. And the angel goes on to say, because the prince of Persia... Not talking about a physical prince, obviously. He's talking about a spiritual demon that was, that was withholding him. And he goes on to say, or preventing him from bringing the answer. And then he goes on to say that there was a war going on. And then Michael, the archangel angel Michael came, okay, and overtook the enemy. So now I'm here to bring you the prayer, to give you the answer, all right? But God, with the angel, the point I'm making is that the angel said, God heard your prayer, but it took me 21 days. So God heard your prayers. And God is answering that prayer. It may take time to manifest in the natural, but the time that it takes to manifest in the natural, in the meantime, if you're in a wilderness situation, God's going to take you through that wilderness and he's going to provide to you, provide for you. Now, I didn't read the whole account of the whole wilderness experience, but you know it took them 40 years to get through there. The interesting thing about that wilderness experience, while it it took them 40 years, and I forget the distance, there's some biblical maps that you can see to look at the distance that they took, and it was a relatively short distance that should not have taken them 40 years, you see? But it was because of the other spiritual stuff going on, and I don't want to get sidetracked into the wilderness experience, but God let them go that route. But during that time, the point that I'm making here is that during that time, those 40 years, they didn't want for anything. God fed them. God clothed them. All right? They made it through there for 40 years. So the same way you are going through whatever it is that you might be going through, the same way the thing that you're, that you're, the same way you're praying for something to be happening, God is going to sustain you. OK, but you've got to do what God is calling you to do. All right. We know what happened with Israel during that time. As a matter of fact, I mean, they sinned and then they got into trouble and God saved them. They sinned and then, and then God saved them. All right. So God is there. But you've got to learn to activate that spiritual authority. God has already given us all that we need for every spiritual struggle that we may face. Second Peter one three. As you plunge deeper and deeper into an intimate developing an intimate relationship with God, will you act on the truth that he reveals to you? Okay, you know, you know, you, 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 you say and while we're in church, you, you know, and maybe it, fe- it feels good to hear what's being said and everything. But then come Monday morning or come Sunday afternoon, even do you forget what it is that you're hearing from God? Do you forget that you need to keep developing the spiritual relationship, a deeper relationship with him? Will you come to thirst for God more? Will you come to thirst for God more? You know. Anytime there's something that you want on the Internet, something that you need, you do the research. (laughs) You dig and you dig and you dig until you find what it is you're looking for at the best price, you know. But how many of us just take God for granted and just think, oh, well, God's there. God's around. How many of us really, really stop and dig and think about God during the week, during the day, Sunday afternoon, after church, when you're no longer here, where you no longer put in your required two hours on Sunday morning so you can tell people I went to church. How many actually think about God and really, really want to, I mean, how many, do you, do you ever walk through the house and you say, okay, Lord, what next? 
You ever find a day, maybe it's a little hard, harder to do, you know, when you're working, you know, but when you're retired and so forth, you can find yourself at a place, okay, what do I do now? You know, and many times I've, I've said, many times I said, okay, Lord, what's, what next? And then he reminds, oh, remember this, remember that, remember this, and then, oh, yeah. So he got to the point that now I keep a list of things that I need to do. But what I'm saying to you is that how many actually desire to really have God in their lives that, that you talk to him on a moment-by-moment basis, or do you simply wait until you want something? You know, or do you simply wait until you get a piece of mail or you get a phone call that's really distressing and then you start running to God then? But how many have really worked to develop a relationship with God? Here are some biblical ways here that we'll go through for taking control of your thoughts and getting rid, getting rid of wrong thoughts. Go to Matthew 4. We're going to be winding down in a bit, but I need to give you these things, these steps here. Matthew 4. It all goes back to the Word of God. And none of us, and none of us are exempt from this, by the way, um, regardless of whether you're a preacher, regardless of whether you're not a preacher. I mean, none of us are exempt when things go wrong in our lives or there's something that you're hoping and that you're praying for that you don't get, um, uh, uh, you can get a bit anxious about it, okay? The difference, though, between us, us Christians, us children of God, and those that are non-believers, they wait, while you may get anxious, I mean, that, that's normal. That's normal, okay? You know, you know anxiety and fear, I mean, it, 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 play, it plays a good place in our lives to, the, to a degree. You, you know, fear can keep the body safe and so on like that. But it's when you let protracted fear or anxiety go beyond the normal course here where you really start dwelling on it, and all of a sudden you forget the fact that you are free, then it becomes habitual that you're in fear, okay? That's when it's a problem. Okay, that's when it becomes problematic. But the way that we can wind up getting control of our thoughts to get rid of these wrong thoughts, we can start with Matthew 4, verse number 1. Then was Jesus led up, led up uh, of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. And when the tempter came to him and said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Well, the first thing to pause right there, underline that word if, because what does the devil try to do there? Plant doubt, you see? And that's what the devil does to you. Right away, he tries to plant doubt that if you are who God says you are, if you're really this, if you really love God, you know, then blah, 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 blah. Okay, and so on. He said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now, Jesus knew full well who he was, but the devil tried to plant that doubt in his mind. Verse number four, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay, and I'm just going to stop right there because you know the other two temptations that are there. But relative to what we're talking about today, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Okay, being being in God's word is what you really, really need to do. It is so important that we remember that you can't live this life without the word of God. Okay, you know, bread is something that is basic. It's something that sustains you. You need to eat and so forth. But what Jesus said, you, you don't live by those things alone. Okay, it's by the word of God, every, everything that comes out of your mouth. You have to be in God's word so that when a sinful or worrisome thought enters your mind, it could be a temptation, it could be a worry situation, it could be anxiety, whenever you let that, uh, uh, whenever that thought pops into your mind, that you, you, you get it out, you dismiss it, that you'll be able to recognize it for what it is. Okay, the first thing you got to get to is where you can actually recognize that that thought that's going through my mind is not in accordance with God's word. That's the first thing you've got to remember, okay? Something is not going right relative to your job, to your house planning, to your car, to whatever it is that you're working on, that negative thought that comes into your mind. First of all, you've got to remember that this is not counter to the Word of God. Nowhere am I going to find that in the Word of God that I should be feeling this or thinking this. That's the first thing. So you've got to stop that thought right there. As soon as, as soon as it pops in, recognize it for what it is and know that what course of action you're going to take. You can be tempted to worry and you can be tempted to be anxious. You know, many times you use the word temptation, you think of some sexual sin or something like that. Come in. Oh, no, no, you can be tempted to worry. You can be tempted to be anxious. You can be tempted to think that you're going to fail. You can be tempted to think you're not going to be a success. You can be tempted to think that your kids are going to get hit by cars running across the street. You can be tempted, you can be tempted, you can be tempted, you can be tempted. You can be tempted to think on so many negative things on this life. So you've got to recognize it right away. Wait a minute now. This is not in line with the word of God. God would not have me in this, in this mental condition. Quoting scripture in a time of temptation is not a magic charm. 
Don't think of that quoting the word of God as some kind of magic charm that's going to all of a sudden get you out of difficulty. It's not a magic charm. Quoting scripture serves, the only purpose it serves is for getting your minds back onto a biblical track. The purpose it serves in quoting scripture is to get your minds back on, a, on, a, on, on track, okay? So don't think now that all of a sudden if I use this scripture, that all of a sudden like some magical charm, okay, poof, the whole thing's going to be dealt with. The whole thing, what the scripture is doing is to get your mind back on the right kind of spiritual track, okay? Because in, in, in repeating the word of God and, and, and exercising what that word of God is saying, what it's doing is you're exercising your spiritual authority, which then increases your faith to believe what the word of God is saying. Okay? So the purpose of knowing the word of God and speaking back that word of God is to recapture your thought. Uh oh, I recognize that negative thought now. Okay, I recognize that negative thought. The, the, the Lord has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That thought of fear, the devil's trying to put that thought in my mind to keep me off of God's word. The devil is putting that fear thought in my mind to keep me unfocused off of God. The devil is putting that thought in my mind to get me upset, to get all sorts of, of, of chemical things flowing in my body, to get me all sick and everything like that. I recognize it for what it is, but in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that thought. The Lord has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So now you're taking the physical, you're taking the spiritual authority over that action. This is the difference between using the word of God as a magic charm. We're not Harry Potter. We don't do spells and chants. Amen? We don't do spells and chants. We take the word of God, which is truth. We take the word of God, which is truth, and we shoot it right back against that negative, that negative uh, demonic thought. Okay, so you need to know the word of God. The thing with that is that you need to know the word of God ahead of time in order to accomplish that. Okay, so if you're trying to find a, a deep spiritual thought to counter a demonic attack or a bad thought or habit that's coming into your mind, the only way you can do that is by knowing the word of God to begin with. All right, otherwise you're going to be this. Uh, well, okay, I know this is a bad thought. I shouldn't be entertaining this thought, but now, um, what does the word of God say? Uh, what does, okay? See, and this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Okay? Because, you know, you may be able to memorize the Bible from cover to cover, but the thing about it is knowing Holy Spirit, He will give you the scriptures, the right scriptures at the right time, depending on the situation that you're in. You see? So again, it's developing that relationship. So therefore, a daily habit of being in the word in a meaningful way is really, it's essential. And especially today, again, you look at what's going on in the world around us. There's so many lies out there, so many lies. You know, you listen to some people, all the stuff that's gone with the planet is going to be gone in 12 years. The planet is going to be gone in 12 years. So if that's the case, then why worry about anything? Then why, you know, do away with all the stuff we need to do? It is, you know, you know, you see, you see, you see, and, and, and to any child of God, that is so ludicrous because, first of all, what does the word of God say about? Again, you see, again, your spiritual authority. Here comes, here comes a lie. Here comes a thought that's coming into my mind. How is it balanced against the word of God? Well, the first thing the Holy Spirit will tell you, well, first of all, no man knows when the plan's going to come to an end. No man knows when Jesus is going to return. No man knows when the world is going to end. So how is somebody going to say it's going to end in 12 years? That's the first process that I start thinking about, okay? And even if it did, God is here. I'm a child of God. I am that I am is going to take care of me, so why worry about it? Okay, but what I'm saying is, I mean, to get away from that, though, because I don't want to get, get political, what I'm saying to you, though, is that there are so many lies and stuff that are out there today, and there will be more, that you need to really, 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 really depend on the Word of God to, to, to ferret out what is truth. What is truth? That's all. And, and that's just one, one small, very silly example. But there are so many things because they, they're vying for the hearts and the minds of the people. So you need to really reply, uh, rely on God's word, on God's word. OK, so therefore a daily habit of being in the word is really crucial. The, the last several sermons that you have heard over the last several weeks and months for myself and Brother Brandon, if you really sort through it, sift through it, you see that the theme, the message has been on reading the word of God and spending time in prayer regularly with God. You see that there's a, that's a, there's a common thread. And if God has been repeating that so much, and not only, only from us in this ministry, but other ministries on TV, I hear the same thing where people are saying the same, where other ministers are saying the same thing, that we need to get closer with God both through prayer and in reading the word of God so that we know the word of God. When God does things like that, repeatedly sends the same message. It's for a reason. It's for a reason. It's because of the fact that he wants us to know. He wants us to know and to be on our toes so that when things come about us, that we just don't get sucked up and just pulled along with those that don't believe. You look at church attendance today. Church attendance is falling more and more and more. 
Okay, okay, there was an article out there where many people are going to churches simply because of the music. Okay, and there was some, there was, there were some Christian ministers that were saying the danger of that is that you can't be ministered to thoroughly just through nice Christian music. You need to hear the Word. You need to hear the Word of God. But many people are finding solace in simply hearing a good bunch of songs being played and they're ministering through the songs. Songs have, a, songs have a place. Praise and worship has a place in the ministry. But it is not the word of God being preached. Amen. So what I'm just saying to you is that we need to really, really get to the point that we are, are closely linked to Holy Spirit and God through prayer and knowing and knowing the word of God. And we've seen it as a theme. If we are to be aware, if we are aware of certain areas of constant temptation in your life, and again, temptation is not only just sexual sin, it's, it's temptation to worry, temptation to, to, be, to be distraught, temptation to doubt, temptation to be all concerned about it, you know, anger, lust, then you need to study and memorize those key verses that deal with those issues. If you've got, if you've got issues in your life where you see, you see a recurring thing here where you constantly get upset by that, then you need to find what scriptures there are that can help you through that. Looking for both what we are to avoid, those negative things, and how we are to properly respond, those positive things, to tempting thoughts and situations before they are upon us, will go a long way to giving you a victory that's over them. Don't wait until the last minute. Just a few more scriptures here in closing here. Proverbs 28. Thank you, Jesus. Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28 and just verse 26. Proverbs 28, verse 26. He that trusts in his own heart is a fool. Okay? He that trusts in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. All right? Okay? So you, so you, you can't rely upon your own strength. You can't rely upon your own reasonings. All right. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. If you go thinking that you have you have you're the sum total of all knowledge or that you can figure your way through, especially if you've got something difficult going on in your life. You think that you can work your way out of it. And that's being very foolish. Amen. OK. You can't trust in your own heart. We're not to feed our minds with that which uh, will, will promote sinful thoughts even. OK. Matthew 26. Matthew 26. You just got a couple more verses here. Matthew 26, verse number 40. And he cometh unto the disciples, and finding them asleep, saith unto, the, unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Okay? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. All right? So while you may have good intentions of wanting to spend time with God, while you may have good intentions of wanting to get up early and pray, while you may have intentions of praying in the afternoon or before bed, spiritually, you know, you, you may want to do it in your spirit. Your flesh is weak. And the Lord knows, I mean, if I put my head down on the pillow before I've said my prayers, nine out of ten times I'm gone before I can say amen. <laughs> okay? All right, let's be real about it, okay? So, so my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. So we have to realize also that we've got to make some provisions for our flesh here. If I want to spend time with God, I need to take the time to spend time with God so that I can be able to, to, to hear and understand what he's saying back to me. Living in dependence upon the Holy Spirit here, chiefly through seeking his strength through prayer. And the last scripture here, let's go back to Proverbs, Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4, 20. Proverbs 4, verse number 20. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ears unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them, 
and health to all their flesh. Okay? Take that and underline it and really get that deep, in, deep into your spirit. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear or listen to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Okay? So what you've heard here today, keep that in your heart. Remember that it is critical that we, that we learn, you know. Um, there, there is one, one last scripture, I promise you. Let's just go to Deuteronomy. God has a way, a way of doing things. Deuteronomy 30, I believe it is, 30. God brings things out when he knows that you need to hear them. God puts words together when he knows that you need to hear, need to hear them. I don't personally know what's going on in your lives, but God does. And if God gives a message, there's a reason that he does so. So, all right, a closing script here, Deuteronomy 30, uh, 19, verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your seed may live. Your seed is your family, that both you and your seed may live. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him. For he is your life and the length of your days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Something that God is saying to you, again reading 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I may set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. Saying to you today, you've heard these words, choose life, choose life. Take the blessing that God is pouring out before you. I think he's telling us that here I'm giving you some messages, I'm giving you some insights into things that are to come. I think God is saying to you that, I'm giving you some foreknowledge, some forewarnings of things that are yet to come. And that starting from this day, from this very day, from what you've heard, to choose life. To choose the blessing and not the cursing. That God has shown you a way. He's shown you what's happening in your life, so to speak. He's given you glimpses as to what's going on and to the whys that are happening in your life. The whys. There's reasons why things happen. Nothing is just incidental or coincidental, I should say. God is here. God is trying to bring you to that promised land. And there are also forces of darkness. Whether you want to believe it or not or realize it, there are forces of darkness who would not want you to achieve the promised land that God wants for you. They'd rather keep you worried, rather keep you down, rather keep you not, not thinking that you're going to be able to succeed, wanting you to just simply give up, giving up. So God gave you a message here today. Take this message. Think on it. Play it back on the podcast. You've got the, you've got the web, the, uh, um, what do you call it, the app. You've got the app. Play it back on the podcast during the week, especially if there's a moment in your week that has you feeling really down, especially when things are going wrong, appear to be going wrong. And just remember that you're free. You've been set free. And who is free is free indeed. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Praise God. I pray and I hope this message was a blessing to you. And now before we close... Let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.